I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Ty Richardson is the co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas. He's also the program director there. He is on X at Ty Sports Radio. We talk to him about college football and FCC every single Wednesday. Ty, how's it going, brother? Gabe. Happy Wednesday. We've got six top 25 matchups this weekend. Didn't think last weekend was going to amount to much. Turns out we had some incredible games, including what happened in Boulder. So this is really a a huge week for the sport. I mean, you line up 230 with Dion and Nick Saban. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, but I have to I have to recap week three with you, and I know uh, I have to start with uh, the Hogs, and I know there's a little depression there probably from you and the in the fan base that you uh, cover the most. But Arkansas down 38-31, they couldn't come back, they couldn't score to tie the game up. I am uh, I have said this. Um, I, I sort of look at Sam Pittman, and, and I wonder I wonder if he has sort of maxed out what he can accomplish at Arkansas, how much of that thought is there within that fan base right now after last weekend in particular? Oh, it was brought up today on the show. And I think that's that's a fair question to ask if you're an Arkansas fan. The comparison this morning on our program was made to Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson brought Arkansas basketball out of some real mediocrity and some real bad teams got him to a couple NCAA tournaments, but couldn't break into that Sweet 16 and maxed out in some people's opinion. Now, Mike is, again, Nolan Richard, a Nolan Richardson disciple, so there was a lot of time and a lot of leeway given there. I think nine seasons, if I remember correctly. Um, Sam doesn't have a Lou Holtz or Ken Hatfield or Frank Broyles tie, but he's a guy a lot of people like, and he's entering year four. They're two and one heading to Baton Rouge. I hope we're not having to sit and talk about that at the end of the year, but that's at least a worthy conversation right. to have at this point. There, there, but there still is some – there's love for Sam Pittman. It's not like – I don't think, especially after the Chad Morris era, there's a bunch of people that hate Sam Pittman. But there is a point where Arkansas fans get to where they want more. They want better, and they have not necessarily gotten that. Yeah, and that's – listen, that's the reality that's – being faced right now and Sam Pittman has to rally the troops heading to Death Valley this weekend I mean you want to shut people up you want to completely silence that go beat probably the best team in the SEC West a game that you've never won back to back in Baton Rouge a game that's never been played in September and a game that typically Arkansas plays decent when they're heavy underdogs as they are on Saturday night about 18 and a half yeah, you get worried, though, about the SEC schedule. We'll see what Arkansas can do. And I, I do wonder, too, going forward, with Arkansas right now, I, I wonder, like, 
quarterback wise, if Sam Pittman, even if he, you know, survives and stays for a few more years, is he ever going to get a quarterback? Or, or I mean, and obviously we know that Rocket Sanders hasn't played, but is he going to get a quarterback running back duo quite like he has here? It's it's hard to it's hard to imagine that he has a lot of talent right there. Yeah, and Rocket's been injured for the majority of this season. KJ was banged up last week. He's supposed to be a little healthier heading into this weekend. It really is, to be honest, Gabe. Maybe he surrounds the running back and quarterback position with some better pieces at the wide receiver tied in and a much better offensive line they have right, right. now. And I want to ask you about that, too. But as far as the duo that you mentioned goes, yeah, it's, it's really hard to foresee him having a better duo than he has right now. Yeah, when it comes to that old line, though, this is not what we've seen the last three years. This is, I mean, it's just, it's fallen off. Four sacks in a game versus BYU. I mean, that's just, that's, it seems relatively unacceptable. And the run game, I mean, it's still fine, but um, it just hasn't been up to snuff. That, that's, gotta, that's very frustrating. That's very frustrating because you have a O-line coach as the head coach, and I think we'd, I'll talk about Memphis in a second. We deal with that here. But you want to see it every year just be a given that that O-line is going to perform at a high level. Explain that to me because you played the position and Sam Pittman, as you said, highly touted offensive line guru, and they haven't just fallen off. I mean, they've been bad this year. I I don't know where the rub is. They had two preseason guys on this roster, on this team preseason, all SEC dudes. Gabe, what has happened from what you've seen for someone that actually played the position? I just think I just think over the years you start to lose guys with experience, and that's what you're seeing right this second. Now you had those two guys on preseason all conference lists, but sometimes you just see a, a step back uh, when when you have to have new sort of faces in there, and, and I think you're seeing that a tad bit. Like you have a sophomore right tackle, you have a transfer right guard. Now you have a redshirt freshman left tackle. Like you just have younger guys that are not necessarily as experienced in the system as as you've had the past 2 to 3 years. That I mean that's that's sort of a given and it, and it happens to every program. Every program has to deal with turnover on that old line. Okay. Well, that's it's, it doesn't make it any less frustrating call. though, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. No question. Yeah. Now, um, we watched Mizzou um, beat Kansas State last weekend on a just bomb from Harrison Mevis with 61 yards, SEC uh, record. But now they travel to St. Louis and my Memphis Tigers, 630 on ESPNU in in the Dome at America Center. How should I feel about this game? Um, I I saw that Brady Cook does not look like – I mean – they're going to say he's a game-time decision. I saw some film of him yesterday. He was in flats. He had a knee brace on. He was barely moving at all. It doesn't look like he, he will play necessarily. How should I feel about this game, Ty? Should I, should I feel positive? There's always, there's always an emotional letdown. I mean, I'm sure when you guys won a big-time game in the Liberty Bowl, potentially the following week, whether it was at home or on the road, it was just hard to get up the same emotion that you had at the tail end. No doubt. Game-winning field goal, as you said, longest in SEC history. They're going to have a set. There's, I mean, Missouri's a better football team than Memphis. You know that. But mm-hmm. I think Memphis, I mean, you got a free shot. you got to right. be an SEC team that's at an all-time high. Go take it. And you, again, <laughs> this is means a lot to you being in St. Louis, too. Yeah, I said this earlier in the show, but it is, uh, while I think Memphis struggled with Navy and that discourages me a tad bit, um, this is the perfect, perfect formula for an upset. 
You have Mizzou off of an emotional high, beating a rival. They rush the field. Now they have to travel to St. Louis, potentially with a backup quarterback in Sam Horn. Like, it it shapes up perfectly for Memphis to go win this game, potentially. Now, will they do that? I don't know. I, I don't know what that offense is going to look like. Are they going to be clicking on all cylinders? We haven't quite seen that this year. Seth Hennigan's had his struggles. But at the same time, this is the perfect formula for an upset. Yeah, go get it. Go yeah, get it. Yeah, shout out. Yes. I'm not a uh, I'm not a Missouri fan by any means. I, you, and a bunch of other guys I met that went to Memphis. Oh, Tigers! I'll take y'all on this one. Hopefully, the 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 right, the blue and white Tigers, and the black, not the, yes, not the ones. See, I've struggled with that this week, Ty. I keep saying Tigers, and I'm like, they're both Tigers, oh. <laughs> but I think people understand what I'm saying. I, th- I think they do. Yeah. I don't want to assume. Now we do have those six uh, top twenty five matchups that you were talking about. I want to start with Ole Miss Bama. Bama has looked miserable, and and quite frankly, I am slightly disappointed. I guess the way I'd put it, with, with Nick Saban having sort of, it felt like he threw. I mean, and I want you to speak to this too. Did, did it feel like he threw Tommy Reese a bone in starting Tyler Buckner? I mean, against maybe his best judgment, that did not seem like a good judgment from a head coach to throw out a a guy who's really been bad in college. I know there's a lot of people in the SEC orbit and Bama orbit saying, "Oh, well, he's a four-star recruit. He's an Elite Eleven guy." Uh, let's not let's not draw conclusions yet. But he was horrible. He was horrible. And I, I don't think Jalen Milrow's perfect. <laughs> He's clearly not. He made mistakes in Texas that cost them against Texas that cost them the game. But I think it's very clear to me, at the very least, that he's the best they got. And that's not saying much. Yeah, I, mean, I, I get that. The, you you there was a comparison and I can't remember what college football analysts made it, but there is a legitimate debate that Nick Saban would rather have, not just Jackson Dart. Not just Spencer Sanders, but even Howard as well. Think about that ever than any other quarterback he has on his roster right now. Know what I was, was thinking about, Ty? That, that I saw got brought up. There's a guy at Rice named J.T. Daniels. I feel like he would be almost a, 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 in a in a better better headspace to run that offense than a lot of the guys they have, which is scary. Which is very scary. Jeez. That's uh, I mean, that's an issue for saving, man. <laughs> Brutal. And you know what? I, I don't feel bad for him at all. I don't feel bad for him <laughs> at all. Do for I it down here. Come on now. Yeah. I take a lot of pride, and I'm ecstatic that that's the case. Yeah. Now, uh, do you think Ole Miss? I mean, Ole Miss on the road, it's never easy to go to Tuscaloosa. But we saw Texas. They were able to do it. Ole Miss, Jackson Darts probably played the best football I've ever seen him play. Do you give Ole Miss a chance? Do you think Ole Miss can, can pull this thing out on the road in Tuscaloosa? They're going to beat them. I know there's a lot of Rebel fans listening, and y'all are going to win this weekend. Kiffin's going to be the fourth assistant to beat Nick Saban. I'm not going to say this is going to kill the Alabama dynasty this this Saturday, but it is going to definitely, definitely be a hindrance to it. Alabama was not going to be the representative from the SEC to make the college football playoff. I think Ole Miss really, really just knocks it out, knocks any chance of them making it this weekend. And Kiffin, he's been licking his chops. He did not. He is. They they haven't played as good against Alabama under his leadership as I thought they would. But I think this is the year he knows his offense is better. As was Steve Sarkeesian, and I think they're going to go in there and get a first win for 
Lane Kiffin, and for the first time since Hugh Freeze was their head coach. What do you make of the Lane Kiffin? Oh, T. Rob's calling the defense based on what we're what we're watching on film, not not Kevin Steele. What do you make of all that? I mean, is that do we do we classify that as rat poison, or is that just Lane Kiffin being very uh, very deliberate at the 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 you know in front of a mic? Kiffin's really complimentary of Alabama and Nick Saban ninety nine percent of the time, and. So I thought it was odd for him to say that. There's got to be some truth and merit to that, right? It might not be 100% correct, but I don't think he would poke the bear being Nick Saban, especially a week out of playing him. That's not very convincing. Well, unless you have an insane amount of confidence about what Alabama doesn't have this year, what you can expose. That's that's true, but do you remember – I think it was – I don't remember the game was in Tuscaloosa two years ago or last year when yep. he's doing that interview with – I think it was – I don't know if it was Ali LaForce or if it was um, – Watch what, this Gallo, or – yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, and he just like tossed the headset and they ended up <laughs> like going for it on fourth down and getting stoned and their offense like went for it like three or four times. It got rocked. Yeah. Like I – that's I true. I think he learned from that. Yeah, maybe you would did. hope. Maybe he didn't learn from that. You would hope he learned from it. That was that was that was bad. That was very bad. He went for it on fourth down. What like three times in that first drive? And got absolutely stoned because of it. And then they, got, you know, Alabama took off and just beat the hell out of him. But I don't know. But again, like Alabama doesn't have the same amount of talent that they have that they had then. Right? Like, it's just not the same. And what what really strikes me, Ty, like, even more so than the quarterback situation, I think their defense is fine, Alabama's. Um, I don't know if it's as elite as, like, a Georgia is. But that old line stinks. That old line's no good right now. And, I, I like, I have a lot of questions. Like, my questions sort of revolve around, okay, do they have is, – is Caden Proctor, their left tackle, even though he was a number one O tackle recruit, is he too young and a little bit, uh, you know – raw at this moment did they expect to run the ball more and they're they're still sort of throwing the ball a whole hell of a lot um but also the the big question that that strikes me is okay you have three guys this was a big conversation if you'll remember going into the season you have three guys that are over 350 are they just too big are they too big and barreling and slow that o-line has been pretty pretty putrid compared to o-lines of the past for for alabama and nick saban well isn't it great (laughs) <laughs> Isn't it just glorious that we're talking about Alabama miscues and uh, deficiencies and and several deficiencies at that? Several deficiencies. Yeah. Usually, you could just point yeah. out one, maybe one and a half, two. It's it's all over the field for them. I feel like I've been waiting on this conversation <laughs> since they started rolling in two thousand eight. I know they didn't win the national championship that year, but once they took it in two thousand nine, it's just been dominance and. We'll say this about college football. This whole transfer portal and NIL that yep. people hate, yep. it's parity across the board. I mean, this is great. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, we don't know for sure who's going to win the national championship. No one has any idea this year. And that's awesome. Like, I don't know who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I don't want to, I know who's going to take home the national championship. And even though Arkansas is probably not going to be that good, it's great. Uh, I'm so invested right now in what's going on in college football. Yep. And I think while there are some a lot of cons with the portal and NIL, I think it's made the sport a lot more even than we maybe thought it was going to. Now, at the same time, Georgia's still number one in the country. Um, and I know that they struggled at home against South Carolina last week. And did that, did that deter you from believing in Georgia, really? Because I, I remember last year they had the Mizzou issue. Um, they went on the road and almost lost the game at Mizzou. 
Um, and in the second half, they really just dominated South Carolina. So I don't want to. I don't want to go too crazy. But that did that do anything to deter you from the the Georgia train? Well, my thing was. You remember the SEC championship game where Stetson Bennett was throwing picks and just not not a clutch performer. And then the national championship, he was clutch. And then right. the next year, big games, he stepped up in big situations. Didn't have a lot of them, but when they needed them, he was counted upon, and he came through. You don't know that about Carson Beck. Like right. his, all they did in the second half was hand off the football. Beck didn't have to do anything. So what happens when this kid has to make a throw, this kid has to make a run, this kid has to make a play, and he can't? Then you just had a such a stronghold with the quarterback position with Bennett was there. You knew what you were going to get for a number of years, and now they transition. I mean, this is – you think about the transition um, that we've seen across the board at Alabama. Sometimes it's been seamless. Sometimes it's not. For example, this year, it's not seamless. You go from Bryce Young, maybe the best quarterback that Saban's ever had, to having three quarterbacks start in the first three games – or two in the first three games, three guys play. Right. So – I think it's I think it's one of those things where you just if you, if you're a, a fan you just if you're if you're anyone outside of that fan base you hope it keeps going the direction's going. Um, are you as excited? Is is sort of the number one game on your radar? Ohio State Notre Dame six versus nine uh, in Ohio State on the road versus Notre Dame. I am impressed with Notre Dame so far. Sam Hartman brings a different dimension to that offense besides the power running that they have not had in the past, and they still have the power running. They still have a couple of packs that can go break off big runs. Um, or is that sort of at the top of your list of, of, of watching, or is it still Ole Miss, Alabama? So I will have that on during the Arkansas LSU game. I'm actually heading to Baton Rouge tomorrow, so that will be on in the LSU press box, kind of watching that. And I'm excited. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a great game. Hopefully we'll see a good game on ESPN between the Tigers and the Razorbacks on Saturday night. But, I mean, you have, again, you've got, I think, two ranked games at 11, two ranked games at 2.30, and then two ranked games, two or three ranked games at 6.30. I know there's six total, but that's an awesome setup for Mm -hmm. college football fans, just the casual ones that day, Gabe. Are you you, uh, with those two teams? Are you bought into Ohio State or Notre Dame more? I know it's hard not to be bought in more to Ohio State based on, you know, past – uh, results, but at the same time, Ohio State has not been able to capitalize and win a college football playoff national championship since the first year of its inception, and Notre Dame's been there before, and I, I like what Marcus Freeman's put together. I hope Notre Dame wins, and to be quite honest, not a huge fan of either team, but if I had to pick one, it's the Fighting Irish. It's a cool story, Freeman getting to go against his former team, and Hartman, you mentioned, he's a Heisman candidate. He could really, really even pass yours on Saturday night if they beat the Buckeyes at home, I think. even I know that's kind of hard to contemplate with the win against Alabama, but that's I think that would push him a little bit past him at that point because it's what have you done for me lately. And just the idea of having Ohio State backs against the wall, maybe with one loss heading to the big house later this year where they have to win. The mm-hmm. game. I mean, they – I mean, they got clobbered the last two years. They didn't lose early and then lose to Michigan again for the third time. Yep. That's unacceptable in Columbus and all across Ohio. So I'm really curious. And the eyes are already turned toward on. Ryan Day, too, by the way, in that yep. fan base. Like, people, you know, that don't necessarily follow that program very fully, 
People in that fan base are so bothered by Ryan Day losing to Michigan twice in a row and not being able to get into the college football playoff and win games. And obviously last year it, it, it was very close, and it, it very much could have gone in their direction against Georgia, but Stetson Bennett pulled it out in the end. But I, I, I sort of wonder what that fan base does, especially if they lose this game and then uh, sort of flail against Michigan again, again this year. I think it could get could get ugly for Ryan Day. Um, I, I how crazy is that game last year if Harrison doesn't get hurt and that Ohio State kicker doesn't thrill the field goal 20 yards to the left? I mean, how, right. how different of a conversation are we having right now? Oh, completely different. <laughs> if they make it through the national championship, we are talking completely different about Ryan Day and Ohio State. I, I don't think there's yeah. any doubt. Now talking with Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas at Ty Sports Radio on X. We have Colorado visiting Oregon. This is their real test. You have to take the uh, number 19 team in Colorado going to Oregon in Autzen. It can get it can get spooky there. But Oregon number 10 team in the country. I'm a big fan of Dan Lanning. He was one of the he was the linebacker coach when I. Uh, when Norvell and, and that staff first got to uh, Memphis, so I understand what he's oh, wow. capable of. But I have seen sort of two separate schools of thought. I think there's more people in one school of thought. Uh, the more, more people are still captivated by what, what Colorado's doing. There's a lot of other people, though, that are a, a little bit annoyed maybe with the, with the c- constant coverage and spotlight that's been on that program consistently through three games. Where, where do you stand on that? Well, those people are still watching it, and they're still talking yeah, about no it. Yeah, no doubt. The great thing about a villain, half the people want him to win, half the people want him to lose, but all odds are on the TV. I mean, you had that, that, that game against Colorado State busted 11 million people at one point, a 9.30 college football game, which ended about It was at 11 Eastern, by the way, when they hit the 11 million mark. Could you? I mean, that that is, it was, that's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just so, it's beyond it's beyond anything that I thought you know realistic going into this year. I knew that they'd be watched, but I didn't think it'd be like this. Yeah, I my my thing is I kind of want to see Colorado undefeated heading into that USC game, Dion versus the Heisman Trophy winner. I just think that storyline's incredible, but they're not winning in Eugene without Travis Hunter, yeah. and they're probably not going to win against USC the following week. If he was in. Even with them being picked against in the spread, I would probably still pick Colorado in this game. But when you have the most dynamic player on that football team, both offensively and defensively, no disrespect to Shooter Sanders being out with the lacerated liver for three or four weeks, they don't have a chance this weekend. They just don't. Right. I I mean, I get that. Um, What did you think of the, the hit that ultimately caused him to have to miss these three or four weeks? I I thought it was I listen. There's some people that say it's a football play, and listen, I played football, so I feel like I am uh, in a spot to sort of speak on this. I thought that was awful. I thought that there's no spot in the game for anything like that. We we see guys week to week get ejected because of targeting for substantially less. He didn't have to leave the game. Granted, he got they got their uh, Colorado got their payback. He got burnt on that on that, uh, you know. Touchdown going in. Obviously, they still had to get the two point conversion, but Jimmy Horn just absolutely cooked him, um, using it, just footed him up basically. Um, but what what do you think about that hit? I, I I hated every every bit of that, and it's been obviously in the spotlight this entire week. Yeah, I, I will say it's hard to pull up sometimes as a safety when you're using all that speed. But it, it felt like to me that there was. Now, again, I'm not in that situation. I'm not going to. Felt like there was plenty of time, time. Felt like there was plenty of time, man. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's going through that young man's head. I mean, he didn't deserve to get death threats like he's. Of course, been. Co- of course not. That. And I thought Dion, and Dion did a good job at the at the podium speaking on that. Yeah, but I mean, that's one of those things where you're, I mean, you're trying to take a cheap shot against the best player on the other team, which there's just no place in the game for that. Like, I, you, when you play a team that doesn't have their best player, the best player's injured. Like that's it's if you win, great, but. Like the never rooting for injuries and the never trying to injure someone is something I've always been a proponent of. Like you just don't want to, you don't want to like cheat someone out of a, a win because you hurt their best player intentionally. Now injuries happen during the course of football. We know that, but that to me again, like you're talking about, I, you played it so you'd have a better view of it than I would. It did look like a dirty hit to me. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't think he should have been suspended, but did he get? And I help me on this. Did he get thrown out of the game, no, or he just get no, a no? He just got an unnecessary roughness, or a, a, I forget exactly what it was. I think it was either unnecessary roughness or some other personal foul. But okay. at the same time, I just I, I I I even listen. I'm a football guy. I called for a suspension, but I, I figured it wasn't going to come if he didn't get ejected <laughs> during the game. And I saw Jay yeah. Norvell, their coach, Colorado State's coach, say it was a bang bang play. I I. Based on what I've seen the replay a million times, that was not what I would uh, term as a bang-bang play. But there is something to be said about Colorado and Prime riling all of the other teams up. Just, I mean, just naturally, um, it, it could lead to things like that. And I just hope it doesn't happen again. I hope we don't have to deal with uh, a bunch of cheap shots. But they have that target on their back in a huge way. In a huge way. Yeah, and you mentioned Dan Lanning, I think. Yeah, the former linebacker coach when Hunter Norvell was even talking a little bit prior to them playing this weekend. So that this is something that coaches have already again spoken towards. We heard Jay Norvell last week. We've heard Dan Lanning, and they won't be the last two. I guarantee you that. And I wonder how many times. I mean, I wonder if uh, Prime. Obviously, they have usually, generally speaking, they have a bunch of monitors and TVs in the locker room, uh, in the players' locker room, uh, before they go out to practice. I wonder how many times he has played the uh, Dan Lanning sound from the preseason where he said, well, has Colorado ever won anything when they left for the Big 12? Has Colorado ever won anything in this conference? Can someone remind me? Yeah. I wonder how many times that's been played. Colorado has their own built-in, uh, their own built-in you know, bulletin board material this week. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Eric Musselman does the same thing year in, year out, NCAA tournament time. Anyone that picks against him, he just plays that on repeat. Yep. Plays it over and over, talks about it over and over. I mean, th- th- he has really utilized that aspect of coaching where he even know that sometimes Arkansas is still picked to win or Colorado may be picked to win by some people, he only picks out the, the select few or the, the, the selection that is rooting against them or whatever. And it works. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not motivated by your success. You're not motivated. You're right. motivated by your failure, and you're motivated by people doubting you. That's yep. a very simple, no- novel concept, Gabe, that many coaches have used over the years. Now I know that you are uh, excited, hopefully, for the Alabama, you know, 2023 experience to be over if Ole Miss can knock them off. <laughs> Nowhere I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, to see someone. You know, die, die their college football playoff hopes die this week. I'm ready to see Florida State knock off Clemson and Dabo have to explain himself and why he has not gone into the transfer portal and why he has been so uh, against NIL throughout the years. I'm ready to see that happen. I'm ready for that day of reckoning to be upon us. Well, it's going to happen. I mean, I know that game's in Death Valley. I know that game's early, and I know that Florida State 
has had some um, failures against Clemson recently, but not this year. I mean, Norvell, your former coach, is going to come in there, and I don't know if they're going to beat them down, but they're going to they're going to leave with the win. Norvell has a incredible, and it honestly looks like a former Clemson defensive line. The way that uh, Dabo has stockpiled some great players on on that front over the years, and Florida State just kind of brings him in, brings him out. And anytime you can rotate defensive linemen like he has, and there's not too much of a drop off. You've got a good football team, and that's exactly what he has in Tallahassee right now. Although last week against Boston College, that was a little, that was a little scary, right? Thirty-one twenty-nine. Travis got hurt. There was kind of he had a shuffling there, but they're going to have those letdowns here and there as long as they just don't end up with a loss at the end of the day. They're, this is not a team that's going to beat everyone by fifty. They're going to have a slip up or two, which is part of it. You just can't lose it. They found a way to win last week. And they just got to keep Travis healthy because if he gets injured at some point again, and it's like a long period of time, the outlook on their season completely changes. He is that dynamic. Yep, for sure. Well, Ty, appreciate the heck out of it, man. Have fun at Baton Rouge. We'll talk again next week. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.